This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. show um i have another good coach guest with me today uh coach grayson he was gracious enough to come on my lonely podcast with 20 listeners maybe who knows i don't know um so coach welcome uh anybody that may not know who you are could you please introduce yourself uh yeah thanks for having me coach uh my name is john grayson um i am a special ed teacher at bowlingbrook high school um i coach the um, outside linebackers on the varsity football team, and I'm starting special teams this year. Um, this is my 11th year coaching, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Uh, slowly growing. I'm at like 50 episodes now. It's kind of crazy. Um, mm-hmm. start, I started this in February because I wanted to do the ESPN thing, like, oh, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about whatever. And then the world ended, so there was no sports to talk about, and sure, stopped doing it. Um, a coach in Virginia started one, got me on his, and then I was like, I'm going to start this back up, get some coaches on. It's free therapy, because we're all not coaching in Illinois, and it sucks. Yeah, we all, we all need something to do. <laughs> yeah, like, if I do this for an hour or so, every so often, it's like, okay, I feel better. Like, okay, we talked some ball, and we're done. Like, I feel a little better. Right, like a virtual clinic. We just, you know, chit-chat and... Uh... Get some X's and O's out of our system, get some ball talk out of our system, and we all we all feel a little bit better. A little bit better. Yeah, for my early birthday present, they got me this microphone and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm getting big time now. Like, it's... You do have a fancy setup. It's very nice. Um, I'm not bragging. Like, I did not buy this. It was a birthday gift. But, but <laughs> that, now the pressure is I have to continue to do If I stop, I'm like, I spent the money on that for you to stop. <laughs> Damn it. Like, come on now. Plenty of coaches that are sitting at home, so you can have. I mean, you can talk ball all uh, all year long. All right, um, I ask every coach the same question, and this is probably why the podcast isn't as big because it's the same question. But I ease coaches into it because not everybody does this. Um, so, how did you get into coaching? Because everybody has their own story, everybody has their own unique way. Like I was 15, and I said, "This is what I'm going to do." Like I already knew that this is what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get into coaching? Because I don't know about you. I've got gray in here somewhere. I, oh, yeah. My, my hair's thinning a little bit. 
That's why I got a hat on. Exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so how'd you get into it? Like, tell us how it happened. Well, um, I would say the, the, the coach that motivated me to want to be a coach and um, that kind of got me started down this path was a guy by the name of Greg Adder. Um, he was my defensive coordinator at Carthage, uh, where I played football. Um, he recruited me, um, you know, was like dad to all of us. I mean, you know, we all said we'd, we'd rather call dad and say we got a bad grade than disappoint coach Edder. He was just that guy for all of the guys that he recruited, all the guys on defense. Um, he left Carthage to become the head coach at Concordia university in Mequon, Wisconsin. Um, so, um, after that, I, you know, I, he, he took an interest in me as a player. Um, I, I say this to my kids all the time. I was very immature when I got to Carthage. Um, thought I was God's gift to, to football. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and he kind of, he kind of just, it was, there was some rough conversations and a lot of up downs and, um, but he, uh, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today without him taking an interest in me and really making sure that, you know, I grew up and kind of started to get it as a, as an adult and as a college student. So um, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be like coach Etter. And uh, I was a student assistant after my uh, four years at Carthage were done. Um, and then I, I actually got fired. Um, so that's how I got into the high school ranks. They, they fired the defensive coordinator at the time and cleaned out the whole staff at Carthage uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I was set to be a GA, um, was going to do the college route and got fired uh, by the new defensive coordinator. So um, thank you uh, for, for <laughs> giving me the boot. Um, it got me into the career that I love. Uh, I was very disappointed at the time. One of my counselors suggested you know, hey, start calling uh, local high schools um, to, to coach a year, and then maybe after that, jump back into the college ranks. Um, my first call was to a guy by the name of Jed Kennedy, who was the head coach at uh, Kenosha Bradford High School at the time. He's now the defensive coordinator at Enterprise High School uh, in Alabama. So Jeb was the head coach there. He's like, yeah, I needed a line. I need a linebackers coach. Um, our DC is doing it right now, but I'd rather have him kind of overseeing everybody and have a position coach for every group. Um, I started as a volunteer, you know, um, at, like a lot of us have just, you know, a little cash when they can get it to you. Um, but really not sure when your next, next, uh, you know, envelope is coming from with a little bit of a uh, little bit of money in there. So, but you know what, I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to help kids. Um, I was, what was I 22 coaching a bunch of 18 year olds. So, uh, you know, the, the age difference wasn't really that, uh, that big. So, um, yeah, jumped in there as a volunteer. Um, we won my buddies always laugh. They're like, you're the only guy that would get fired and somehow managed to win a state championship. Uh, we went 14 and 0 there at Kenosha Bradford in their biggest class, Illinois, the biggest class is 8A. Um, in Wisconsin, it's division one. They just go from one to eight instead of eight to one. Um, we won the biggest class went 14 and all. Um, but I, without coach Kennedy, um, you know, I, I don't know what I'd be doing a nine to five, maybe just working a regular job. Um, and I'm sure I would be terrible at that. So, um, after we won the state championship, he, um, he took a job up in the 
Pulaski High School, northern part of Wisconsin. Um, I thought it was time for me to move back to Illinois, and I started my coaching career in Illinois. But uh, yeah, that's how I got into coaching. I got fired and took it a took a volunteer's job. So um, yeah, it worked out great. And then uh, I started. I came back home, started coaching in Illinois. Yeah. Um, sometimes when one door shuts, that one opens. We have a different path that leads to something. And you know, I told. I'm 29, I'm going to be 30, so I feel like I'm old enough to tell younger coaches, you have to volunteer, and it has to be hard work, and I don't like the term grind it out, I'm trying not to use that, but, like, you have to work, and it's going to, like, I volunteered for four years before I got a paid track job, like, right. it's just, I coached right when I was 18, though, I was 18, 19, I just immediately, so mm-hmm. by the time I was 21, I started getting, they're like, oh, you want to be a paid track coach, here's $4,000, I'm like, oh, 4000 Yeah, you think, you're, you think you're a millionaire. <laughs> I was going to college, I was working overnight a little bit just so I could coach. And I was like, Oh, $4,000 that pays my rent for the year. Cause it's a college town and I can go do this. Like, man. Right. Um, so I know you've had different stops in coaching Illinois. We're talking about before recording. Um, so how did you end up at Bolingbrook? And people don't know about Bolingbrook. I, I call it a powerhouse. Like even central Illinois knows about Bolingbrook and everything else. And I know the coach there had to turn that to get to that point, but Mm-hmm. you've had different coaching stops. So how, like, I'm at my fifth high school too. So I've been at a couple of different spots. Right. So I'm always curious, how does one person get from one school to the next? And without being fired, fired is kind of bad sometimes. Like, why were you fired? And, yeah. But. I was fired from Carthage, uh, but I have not been fired since. Mm-hmm. Um, all my stops, um, they've been for, I had a guy look at my resume. I was applying for another job and, um, this is probably four or five years ago. And he's like, geez, man, you've been in a lot of places. And I always say there's a reason for every place I've been. I've left everywhere on good terms. Um, I, I came back to Illinois after uh, the 2011 season, um, you know, coached at uh, Kenosha Bradford. Um, Coach Kennedy took a different job. I said, okay, it's time to move back home. Um, sorry, there's a big uh, fire truck going next to the window. <laughs> Um, I live on beautiful Harlem Avenue in Elmwood Park, so we get a lot of that um, <laughs> anymore, but if you can hear it in the background. Anyway, um, so I came home, I emailed probably 30 coaches. It's like, hey, this is who I am, John Grayson. Um, I, I played football at Glenbard South um, in high school, played football at Carthage, Kenosha, Bradford. Um, I want to come home, just looking for a spot. So um I heard back from probably about five out of 30 coaches that I emailed, um, apparently being a division three defensive tackle and having one year of experience as a linebackers coach doesn't exactly get people, you know, running to your door to hire you. So a guy by the name of Jeremy Cordell was coaching at Glenbard South, my alma mater. Um, He's now the head coach at Lincoln way central. Um, He was, he was built building his staff. Uh, he was one of the first guys that emailed me back. I thought, okay, you know, this is going to be great. Um, chance to go back to my alma mater, um, coach there for two years. Uh, we had great success there. Coach Cordell, um, built that program, um, and, and kind of took it in, in a different direction. Um, we went, my second year there, we went nine and zero. Won a first round game, lost in the second round, um, but set the school record for wins with ten. Um, 
And after that, you know, I, I think I was, I, was, I think I was reading a book. Um, I want to say it was Jimmy Johnson, um, but he had talked about kind of some of his different stops and, and learning from different people. So, you know, here I was, I was at my alma mater. Um, it was incredible to coach there for two years uh, on the football staff, but I just wanted to see other places and go to other, you know, see other ways of doing it. You know, um, I played there, I played at Glenbard South. I was coaching there. I knew kind of how that, you know, how that world worked. I wanted to go and see other places. So uh, through a mutual connection, um, I had a former teammate that was coaching at Montini. Um, I live in Lombard. Um, at the time I lived in Lombard with my dad, I was going back to school. Um, so it was kind of an easy transition in terms of, uh, you know, where, where I was living and, and Montini was right around the corner, but you know, that was big time, you know, big time football. My first three games there were main South on Comcast at main South. Uh, then we, uh, decided to take it easy for a week. We had East St. Louis come to Lombard. Um, with Terry Beckner, who I believe just got cut from the Bears practice squad, but he was an Under Armour All-American. They had uh, the Thomas kid that played at Miami. I mean, they were loaded. So that was my second game. And then after that, we, again, just kind of wanted to take it easy. We went to St. Rita. So that was, um, you know, hey, like, can you coach, John? You know, okay, so you got – you were at Bradford High School – um, that was a loaded team. You want to stay championship there. All right. Maybe beginner's luck. You were at your alma mater, um, where you were very safe and very, you know, you felt comfortable there, but Hey, first game, you're the varsity linebackers coach main South on Comcast division one kids literally running around everywhere. Can you do this? So, um, I was there for three years. We, my first year there, we lost in the state championship game to a really, really good uh, Sacred Heart Griffin team. Uh, Gabe Green was an absolute animal. Um, my second year there, uh, we won the 6A state championship. Um, that was an incredible team. I always say, um, and it's not that I'm not proud of the state championship team, but that was the Ferrari. Um, if we lost a game that year, we all should have been fired. I mean, we had... I had two all-state linebackers. That just shows you what kind of talent we had that year. People are excited for one all-state player on your team. I had two in my position group. So <laughs> um, that just shows you what kind of talent we say we had. So I always say I'm more proud of the 2014 year uh, that we lost in the state championship game because we were not as talented and we had a lot of sophomores starting and, and we really had to coach our butts off um, to even get that far. And people kind of rolled their eyes like, well, Montini, you know what I mean? you guys just kind of have every, you know, all the players, but, you know, we had some injuries that year and a lot of, we had three sophomores starting. Um, now they were really, really good sophomores. <laughs> all three of them got scholarships eventually, but um, they weren't scholarship players at that point. So um, that was, a that was, you know, that was kind of my, all right, I can do this, you know, sort of thing. So um, some really big games at Montini, um, you know, some high pressure situations, um, after those three years, uh, I had finished going back to school. I um, was placed for my student teaching in the South suburbs. Um, and it was not a geographical fit anymore at Montini. I couldn't get from student teaching to practice in Lombard um, from basically the South side. I mean, um, I was in Justice, Illinois at a middle school. Um, 
which is kind of down like Burridge ish area, um, mm -hmm. south again, not a not a geographical fit. So, um, I had a I had a friend, uh, by the name of Willie Hayes, who was at he's the defensive coordinator at Lamont. Uh, that was about a 15 minute drive for me. So, you know, I call, I was talking to Willie. Uh, Willie said, Hey, why don't you just come and do the lower levels for a year? I know your student teaching. You know, call base defense and make sure 11 guys are running to the ball and, you know, you'll be good. Um, you don't have to worry about upsetting your, you know, your student teaching people by um, not being there or because you have a, you know, a walkthrough or whatever. So, you know, you can focus on that and then just come, you know, call our, our lower level defense. Um, that was a great opportunity. Um after that year, I got hired to teach um, in the city at a charter school, um, also on the south side. So uh, couldn't make it to Lamont anymore. Um, so that's now my third school in four years uh, through a mutual acquaintance and um, through some buddies that I knew that played for uh, Coach Racky when he was at Driscoll. Um, I, I, I heard about a job at uh, Nazareth. They needed a special teams coordinator. Um, that was again, kind of a geographic match and I was available and they needed a coach. So, um, I was a special teams coordinator at Nazareth for a year. Uh, we went to the state championship, won the seven, seven, a state championship. So again, I'm kind of just, I don't know. I've just been really, really fortunate to be in some incredible programs. Um, after Nazareth, I got hired at Bolingbrook and I'm, I'm here now. So, um, finally a full-time teaching position at a school that I'm coaching at. It's the first time in, in my 11 year career uh, last year at Bolingbrook that I was teaching and coaching in the same building. So it's been great. Um, I think I've worked under, I think I counted the other day, I've worked under coaches that have won a combined 17 state championships. So um, I mean, just an incredible learning experience and um, between Coach Kennedy, Coach Andriano, uh, Coach Bukowski at Montini, Coach Coy at Lamont, Coach Racky at Nazareth, and now Coach Ivlo at, at uh, uh, Bolingbrook, I've had some incredible mentors. But uh, all guys that I can still text right now and, and ask a question or, um, you know, hey, what do you think about this scheme or what do you think about, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. So I got fired to start my career, but have not been fired since. So. Um, just moving around based on career stuff and, uh, um, trying to find that job. And now I finally found a place at Bolingbrook where I can coach and teach in the same building. And it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Good thing you weren't fired because of your job. It was just outside of your control. So I hope you didn't take me saying that yeah, I know you were bad at it. It was just, I know how college works. They, they get rid of whoever and, um, then you know right. how to they just, them. yeah, they wiped out the whole staff. Didn't right. matter if I an all-american if i was the you know next nick saban if i was terrible they didn't care they just saw that i was connected to the old defensive coordinator and they're like hey we're getting rid of everybody so didn't matter i just kind of got lost in the in the shuffle there and but hey it started started my career coaching high school and i found my my home so like you said one door closes another door opens and the guy that fired me isn't even there anymore so 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He's, uh, I don't know where he's at, but hey, thanks. Thanks, coach. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's nice to keep connections. That's why I like this podcast. I make connections because you never know. Like you said, you mm-hmm. knew somebody at one school and you contact them saying, hey, it doesn't have to be your school, but you know where to coach at. And uh, that's what we were talking about earlier when I left Glombard East. I still have connections. So like, what if one day something opens up and they want, and I go back? Like, you never know. Um, exactly. Um then you know how to pick them to get some state titles. I'll never sniff one, but you know how to pick them. <laughs> I've, I've been very lucky. The Montini thing was uh, the best man at my dad's wedding is the president of Montini. Um, so I sent a resume in there. It ended up working out. He was really cool about it. He's like, hey, I gave him your resume and I'm stepping out of it. Because he's like, if they hire you because of me and you stink, they're going to be mad at me. <laughs> he goes... <laughs> Um, I just, if they like your, I told them, Hey, here's your resume. And that's, that's all I'm doing here. Put it on the desk and walk away. So I interviewed there. coach boo. And I went to uh Buffalo wild wings, probably about three or four times figured out it was a match and, and went from there. The Nazareth thing. I mean, I, I met coach Racky through a bunch of my buddies played for him at Driscoll and swear by him. They loved him there. Um, so that was, through kids that played at a school for coach Racky that's not even open anymore. So, um, you know, it, uh, uh, I think it's the parking lot now for AT, uh, where, where you're at. So, uh, the connections happen, you know, again, my mom telling me not to burn a bridge when I was a little kid and me kind of rolling my eyes. It's, uh, you know, that's how things have worked out. So yeah, I got the Bolingbrook job through a connection that I made at Montini, the head wrestling coach at Bolingbrook is a guy by the name of Joe DiGregorio. Uh, we got real close, uh, play softball together when we were at Montini. He got hired at Bolingbrook. He called me. Hey, they got a couple special ed openings. They have a football opening. So, um, you know, all those connections end up working out for the best sometimes. And um, you don't know which connection is going to pop up. But, uh, you know, again, the school I made, the connection I made at a school that I was at in 2015, 2016 is where I got my full-time teaching and coaching job in 2020. So, um, yeah, it, again, the, the, the advice of your parents, uh, never seems to pop out of your head. Don't burn a bridge. And I'm just said as a little kid, I'm rolling my eyes like, yeah, okay, whatever, mom. But, <laughs> um, that's where I got my teaching and coaching job from. So yeah, I've been very fortunate, um, that they've been at some incredible programs. Um, I hope I have a little bit to do with it, but I have a feeling Nazareth and Montini would have been good without me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, I hope I have a little bit to do with it, even if it's just a tiny bit. Well, there, 
I'm still new to the suburbs, but Central Illinois, you've heard of them. It just seems mm-hmm. like they're like a Nick Saban type program. Like the coaches have something to do with it while they're there. And then if a coach leaves, they just pump another one. Like, oh, we're good. Like the coaches mm-hmm. have something to do with sure. it. And then they just bring another one who's going to have something to do with it, if that makes sense. Like Nick Saban does that right. every year. And that's just kind of what they do. And I know people that in Lombard that hate Montini when I was in Lombard for a little bit. And then I know people that have yep. nothing but good things. It's one or the other. I loved my time there. Um, I get it. I mean, people don't like Montini. People don't like Nazareth. Um, I can tell you that some of the best men I've ever met are our coaches there. Um, some of my mentors and guys that I, I, I spent a lot of time with and learned a ton from. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, you know, I've been on both sides of it. You know, I've been on the public school side of it and the private school side of it. Um, and people think that the private schools just show up and have better talent and, and beat you. I mean, some of the best coaches I've ever been around are at the private schools that I've, I've worked at. I mean, just guys that, again, I'm just, I, I talk a lot. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed since that we've started talking to each other, but, uh, ask anybody that's met me for longer than 10 minutes. I talk a lot, but around some of these guys, man, I just shut up and, and listen, listen, listen. Um, coach Bukowski was my defensive coordinator when I was at Montini. Um, again, kind of the same thing. I, I roll my eyes when he would make the comments to me and now I'm making them like crazy. Like I, you know, it's kind of your parents again, like I said, you know, he would make these comments and I, yeah, okay, boo, whatever, you know. Um, but I mean, he is, the guy's got 16, I think they title rings. Um, he was the wrestling coach there forever. He's literally has a box. I, I begged him to bring it out to dinner one night. He has a box full of state championship rings. He was the head wrestling coach there, started that dynasty. Um, I think he won eight there. He was He's won six as the defensive coordinator at Montini. He's now the head coach. Um, and then he his daughter played softball. So he started coaching the softball team, and they won two state championships there. Like, the guy... I, obviously the Nazareth, I mean, coach Racky has been successful everywhere. He's been when he took over Nazareth, they were every, as he said, they were everybody's homecoming game. Um, when I coached there, we beat Joliet Catholic, um, in a regular season game. And he was sitting in his office after the game and he laughed and he goes, I remember when Joliet Catholic used to 50 point us. I mean, just annihilate us when I got hired at Nazareth. Um, and now we're beating them. And, you know, it's the type of thing where that doesn't happen if you can't coach, you know, so the people kind of just, well, they got all the players, they're an all-star team. And that's just coach Racky. I mean, he's got two assistants there. Um, his offensive coordinator, Casey Moran is, I, I mean, the guy's uh, uh, an absolute offensive, just, I, I don't know. Some of the stuff he comes up with, you're like, I could never think of that if you gave me, a year and a gazillion dollars and like, where, where did you come up with it? And it works, you know? So um, coach Tom Payne, the defensive coordinator there, um, he's like a, a defensive savant. I mean, so again, some of the stuff that I'd sit in the meetings with coach Tom Payne and be like, where, where did you get that from? Where does that come from? So um, those are some of the best coaches I've been around. And then again, you know, at the public schools, I, I've, again, some of the greatest coaches I've been around are, are at the public schools too. So it just, I've, I've really picked some great places and, and been able to learn from some really, really outstanding coaches. And um, 
I get to post all the things in my Twitter when we're successful, but I mean, it's really these guys, coach Ivlo and coach Kennedy and coach Cordell and, and coach Coy and coach Hayes, all these guys are the reason why these programs are where they're at. And I'm just, like I said, I'm hoping that I contribute even a small bit. Oh, I'm sure you did. Uh, I believe you. I believe that you did. So, um, I'm just thinking this to myself right now. What's the biggest difference between a private school and a public school? Like, is there a huge difference with football or that you've seen? Like, I'm from Central Illinois, so we don't have private schools, so I know, I know nothing about public. And then coming up here, seeing how it works, hearing what people say and whether it's true or not, it's whatever. So what is there a big difference? So I would say that the main difference to me, I mean, the coaches are – all hardworking coaches. Doesn't matter if you're a public, private, 1A, 8A, everybody's in here and everybody's grinding, everybody's working. I mean, um, I, I would say the the players are, I would say that is a little bit of the difference. So at your private schools, these kids are here for football. Um, you know, dad is working an extra job for just hypothetically to send you to, you know, we'll just use Montini as an example to maximize your football career. And, and Montini, you know, it's, it's, you kind of, I liked that school and Nazareth's very similar because you get, you know, there are some kids that live in mansions that go to these Catholic schools and their parents could afford to pay for the whole football team to go to the school there. And there's some kids where, you know, I coached a linebacker, very two, actually two or three of them, very blue collar people. Dad's got an extra job. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're working hard to get you the best opportunities at this Catholic school. So I would say the biggest difference is some of the kids at the public schools um, sometimes get kids that are more out as it's, I don't want to say a hobby, but they're students that play football. Um, and at some of these Catholic school, Catholic private, whatever you want to call it, um, these kids are there for one reason. So they're not, you know, they're not going to their public school because they're there to play football and they're focused. And it's a little bit more of that laser, um, focus. I'm not going to screw around in class because if I screw around in class and get bad grades, my dad's pulling me out of here. Um, I'm going back to my public school. I need to get good grades because then I show mom and dad that I'm working at this. I need to train because I'm here, you know, I'm not going to my Catholic or my public school. I'm driving to get here. Uh, my parents are making sacrifices. So there's just that sometimes with some of the kids at the private schools, there's a, there's a little bit more of that kind of laser focus. Like I'm literally here for one reason. Whereas at a public school, like, you're there regardless, you know, this is where I live. This is where I go to school. So do I want to play football? Certainly I want to play football, but will I screw around in class? Maybe a little bit just because I like my parents aren't going to pull me out of my public school. You know uh, um, there's no threat of that. And again, I've been at some very successful public schools. So I'm certainly not, it's not like that everywhere. I would just say that is a small, small difference. Again, there's no, at a Glenbard South or a Bolingbrook or a Lamont, there's no threat of your parents pulling you out of your public school. That's where you're going to high school regardless. But at a Nazareth or a Montini or anywhere, a Bennett or a Sacred Heart Griffin or wherever it is, um, you know, my dad is working extra for me to be here and get the most out of my opportunity. And he's going to pull me if I bring home straight C's and I'm not training like, you know, um, 
a kid that wants to be here. So that would be the only, um, the small difference I see. And again, it, it, it's, it's a couple kids, you know, it's not like it's every single kid, public school kids certainly train and they certainly work hard and they, um, you know, I would just say that's, you see some of those kids where it's like, dude, I drive 40 minutes to get here. Like I'm literally here to play football, go to school and be laser focused. So, um, but again, all, everybody's working hard. Everybody's coaching hard. Um, it doesn't matter public, private, 8A, 1A, we're all, we're all working hard. We're all grinding. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would say before I keep rambling, um, that would be the difference I've, I've noticed. And then recruiting kids, how does that work? Like, I don't want to say it that way. Like I said, I just go by what people tell me when I came up here. Like, oh, they recruit kids, they get kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it can't be like a college recruiting. Like, I'm going to go and talk to this kid and say, come here, come here, come here. Like, how does that work? So, well, one, we don't use the R word um, because well, that's illegal. Right. Uh, so I never, I never did that when I was at either school. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, listen, I think with recruiting now, we were talking before we, we started the podcast. I think it's you got to be recruiting whether you're at a public or a private school. It doesn't matter. Kids want to be courted. Kids want you to come get them. So we were talking before, um, you know, I'm at Bolingbrook high school right now and we're, we're not going out and, and talking to families and talking to kids, but um, in the, you know, old school kind of sense of recruiting, um, you know, quote unquote, but coach Ivlo makes our program as, fun to be in as, as humanly possible. And that's his way of sort of recruiting. You know, we have all these different helmets. We have several different jerseys. We have a black football field. Um, I mean, that's one of the most unique ones in the country. You know, he made our program different so that kids will want to come to Bolingbrook. And I mean, look at all the kids that have been through Bolingbrook high school. You literally turn on TV on a Saturday and you could probably find a kid from Bolingbrook on every channel, you know, mm-hmm. um, kids want to stay home and want to come to Bolingbrook. So, um, whether you're at a public school or a private school, you have to make your program appealing. And, um, if you don't, kids are going to go somewhere else. They're going to find a program that's, that's appealing. And, um, you know, when I was, we were talking before we were on air, you know, um, a district school for you, Willowbrook, you know, when I was in high school, Willowbrook was not a football power. Um, I, I grew up in Lombard, Willowbrooks and Villa Park. Um, you know, a lot of those kids in 2003, 2004, 2005 would, you know, look at a Montini, look at a Driscoll. Um, and then, you know, recently they've been an absolute um, tough team. They're a tough out, you know, I mean, and, and coaches kind of built that program up. And that's just a huge example to me of, him making that program appealing. And now those kids aren't looking at other schools. We're talking about Glenbard East. It's the same thing. Both of those schools are right next door to Montini. Um, And look what those coaches have done at those places. And now they're, they're, they're winning. They're winning. They're eight and one. They're, they're going deep into the playoffs. They're, um, they're making their school appealing. So, you know, at Bolingbrook, we have the, the Joliet Catholics and Providence is down there. And, um, you know, there's certainly, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this Bolingbrook, you know, we got, there's a lot of talent in our, in our town. So 
I'm sure the, you know, the South side brother rices and the St. Rita's are coming in trying to grab some Bolingbrook kids and, and, and God bless them. I mean, all's fair. So my point with, you know, the R word recruiting is it doesn't matter if you're public or private, if you're not making your program appealing, kids aren't coming to your program. So um, coach Ivo has done a fantastic job at that. Again, I said, I was on another podcast. I said it, and we were talking in the weight room the other day, you know, I got this hat that I'm wearing and a t-shirt last year. Um, we don't get coaches gear. He puts all that money into the kids so we can get that extra alternate Jersey and have a red, a black and a white Jersey and have two different helmets. And um, the kids can post that on social media. So, you know, without the traditional, you know, going to the house and talking to the parents and talking to the kids, like you think of recruiting from the movies, um, he's recruiting without recruiting. He's making our program as appealing as possible. And so public, private, doesn't matter. If your program's not appealing, kids aren't coming. So um, that would be my, you know, my stance on, on the R word is, you know, it's, I call it. Um, because again, that's illegal and I don't think any of the private school doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just make, you, you have to make your program appealing. So whether it's Montini and, you know, Hey, come see, uh, you know, Nazareth's played Simeon in a game and we had alternate uniforms and, you know, we had won, you know, Coach Racky had won some state championships at Driscoll and, and at Nazareth. And so that was what it was appealing about that program. Um, Coach Coach Ivlo is is doing it with, you know, he's won a state championship at, at Bolingbrook. He's got kids that he sent to Florida, to Ohio State, to Michigan, to Minnesota, to, I mean, you name it. And he sent a kid there. He knows everybody. So um, that's what's appealing about Bolingbrook. And so every school is going to find their niche and find what makes them appealing. And, and that's why kids are going to want to come there. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to get the kids. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, I just go by what people tell me. So when they say, oh, recruiting, I'm glad you educated me on what it's like. Like I said, from where I'm from, you don't have private schools and it's word of mouth. And so. I really appreciate right. you educate me on that because I have no idea. I just go by, there's some coaches out there that are very like anti this, they do this, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's some coaches like, Oh, it is what it is. If a kid goes there, they go there. Like, and they use yeah. that. They use. I, and I think, there. yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's prevalent up, up here and there's a lot, you know, I grew up in Lombard. I could have gone to, seven or eight different private schools um, that were right in the neighborhood, you know, not really that far, you know, I mean, so there's, there's a lot of choices out there for kids. And um, again, if you, if, you know, um, if you're not using the tools that you have and what can make your program appealing, then you're going to lose out on kids. So yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of choices for kids and um, a lot of different ways to get kids to, you know, the different places, different schools, you know, Shoot, kids can take an Uber now if they want to get to their private school if they want, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, you don't need a bus anymore. So um, you can get where you want to go. So making your program as appealing as possible is is what's going to keep kids home or keep kids coming to your program. And, and um, you're recruiting kids in the school. Like I know recruiting is not the word, but like 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Like you guys said, that black turf is amazing. I saw pictures of it. I was like, oh, my goodness. I love it. I got to go see it sometime right. in person because it looks awesome. And I think that's another way to be like, oh, there's some basketball kids that were on the fence of playing. Now maybe they'll come out and play. Like, as stupid as sure. it sounds, I remember when my friends became a head coach, the first thing he did, brand new helmets or like a new look helmet, new this, and blue not, and new uniforms. And some kids came out and said, oh, I like the uniforms. I want to play. Just as stupid as that sounds, mm -hmm. he got an extra eight kids. And an extra eight kids is huge for like a scout team or whatever. So that, that stuff that you're doing at Bolingbrook, that can get basketball kids to come out, maybe some baseball kids, maybe some track kids. So it's not just the town. Because right. Chicago is different. Chicagoland area, like, I think Bolingbrook kind of goes to Nequa Valley too. I'm not 100% on that. Yeah, um, there's a little section that there's – I think there's – don't quote me on this. I think there's four high schools that pull from Bolingbrook. I'm, I know Neek was one of them. I think Naperville Central, Downer South, maybe, um, and maybe a little section that goes to Romeoville, mm -hmm. um, and then the kids Bolingbrook. So, um, yeah, again, certainly there's and maybe one of the playing fields. I'm not sure exactly. Bolingbrook's so big. I mean, there could be ten high schools pulling from Bolingbrook. Mm -hmm. Who knows? You know. Um, but yeah, again, there's a lot of choices and, um, you know, we have a receiver that is, you know, he, he's a, he's a younger guy, but he, you know, he's a stud basketball player. He's dunking on his Twitter and he's a long, can go get the ball. And, um, coach Iowa told him, he's like, Hey man, you're a great basketball player, but you're a special football player too. Um, and he was kind of on the fence and I think he's really committed to um, being a star in both. And so, you know, maybe it was that, that helmet, maybe it was the fog machine when the kids came out of the locker room, you know, I mean, whatever it was, he said, yeah, instead of just being great at one thing, I'm going to be great at multiple sports. And so, you know, he's coming out, he's a perfect example of what you were talking about, you know, and he's a kid that can be special in two sports now. And, I don't know if it was the feel. I don't know if it was the jerseys. I don't know if it was what it was, but he wants to do both now. And uh, that's everywhere. You have to recruit your building and you have to, you know, uh, make sure that you're maximizing the talent that you have under your roof. Yeah. I'm just, again, glad that you educated on me on the private school stuff. Cause I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. And so I was like, I'm going to ask him this cause I don't know. I have no idea how that works. Yeah. I have the, the unique, um, unique uh, situation where I've been at both and have been at really successful programs on both sides, private and public. But um, yeah, just know that if you're not 
getting after it. Somebody else is. So um, no rest, no rest for the for the wicked. <laughs> well, and and the, I'm just gonna keep saying recruiting because I can't think of a different word. And this is, and I can stop after that. But public schools recruit too, like you said. You're no, it's fine. I, it's more of a joke. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But like, I want to make sure I don't disrespect people. I'm like, oh, we don't use that or do that. So I try to be as nice and respectful as I can. And but like you said, up here, public schools are recruiting kids from other towns. Maybe like, oh, instead of going like Lombard, for example, instead of going Lombard South, I'm going to go Lombard East or vice versa. If you can move like mm-hmm. I remember a coach told me this and you correct me. There's like an apartment building somewhere in Lombard. I don't know where he goes. Half the apartment building has to go to Lombard East because of where the street is. Mm-hmm. The other half has to go to Lombard South because of where the street is. I literally. So where I grew up. I, my neighborhood and the neighborhood behind me went to Glenbard South. The neighborhood legitimately across on the other side of Finley Road was Glenbard East. Um, and then not too far down the road, there was, I lived um, on like kind of the corner of, I guess the corner of Lombard. So literally you could jog two miles and be in Downers North Territory. So, I mean, it's really not that hard to, you know, if I want to go to that school, all I got to do is just move across the street. You know I mean? So, um, and again, if your school is not appealing, then people are going to jump to, you know, all I had to do was move across the street and I was a Glenbard East kid or go a little further down Butterfield Road and I was a Downers North kid or go a little bit deeper into Lombard and I could have been a Willowbrook kid, you know, so um there's a lot of I just there's I think there's more choices now for kids than there have ever been. And with social media and, you know, let's say we're two, you know, two eighth graders and we're best friends, but you live in this district and I live in this district. Well, hey, man, let's get together and let's figure this out and let's make sure we end up playing together. And we, you know, are connecting on social media or through our youth program or whatever it is. Um it's just, it, there's a lot of choices and it's very easy to get to different places. And um, again, that's why you have to keep your program so appealing because I don't like this program. I'm just going to go to that one. Yeah. Um, right before I left Lombardi's that summer, we had a kid come in to camp and then, you know, they have to go through the registration process. And we found out that he goes, well, this kid, he can't come to school here because he moved in the summer. And where he moved to, it was exactly in Glumbard West territory. So he had to go to Glumbard West. But the parents didn't know. They looked at it wrong or something happened. And they were like, oh, we can't go to Glumbard East. And he goes, as of right now, you have to go to Glumbard West. And Mm -hmm. me being from Central Illinois, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, for us, you have to move to a completely different town to go to a school. Right. It's not, let's move down the street or across the street. So it's crazy. And, And that poor kid, no offense to that kid, he was not playing at Glumbard West. Like, it just wasn't gonna happen and so we felt bad we're it's like, really yeah he was gonna play for us and so it's like now you're gonna go to glenbard west and probably not play because glenbard west is glenbard west and they're really really good at football yeah <laughs> yeah and that kid was gonna be good for glenbard east but we were just like oh like you may never play varsity you know glenbard east you probably would like he was a soft maybe a sophomore junior and that, yeah junior. that's the other No, go ahead. You know, and that's, you know, kids, I've, I've had kids I've seen that have been at three different high schools. I mean, in four years and, you know, again, there's so many choices for kids and, 
you know, if you have a parent that is of means, I mean, some kids like me, I wasn't moving. You know, my dad was a cop. My mom was a secretary. Um, you know, if I came home and said, hey, dad, I don't like Lombard South. I want to go to Downers North. He'd say, well, you better get adopted by a Downers North family because we're not we're not going anywhere, dude. Like, but if you have a family that's of means, I mean, um, and you can move and and do all that stuff, then then the, the choices are essentially endless. I mean, so um Again, I, I know of a kid, um, three high schools in four years. I mean, there's the kid, uh, he was on Last Chance U, that quarterback, uh, and his name's escaping me right now. He literally went to four high schools in four years. Um, I mean, so again, there's just with social media and and all the technology and, and this, that, and the other, there's just so many choices for kids. So um, whether you're school A, school B, school C, school D, um, you better be working and you better be keeping your kids that are supposed to go. But yeah, again, the town of Lombard where you coached at Lombard East, um, legitimately, I think there's three, three schools that pull, and then there's a Catholic school. Um, and then before it closed, Driscoll was in Addison, which is literally the next town over, um, you know, Bolingbrook's another one. I mean, there's how many choices do you have if you're a kid growing up in Bolingbrook? I mean, you can go to a lot of different places. So um, these bigger towns, there's a lot of schools. And it, again, for me, it would have been legitimately moving across the street and I would have been a Glenbardi's kid. So um, things weren't the same then as they are now, I don't think. Um, that was, was 20 years ago. And again, we weren't, you know, our, one of the Rockefellers, so we couldn't just pick up and move. You know, <laughs> I can just imagine me coming home and being like, hey, mom, I want to go to this school. And she'd be, you know, okay, well, you're not. So go do your homework and get come down for dinner. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's not like it was back then. These kids all know each other and they can, you know, they can make moves. Yeah. If I would have went home and said, Hey, I want to go to, we'd have to move to a completely different town. But if I would have said that my parents would have said, well, you know what? I want a lot of things and I don't have them. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to you. Like go get a job and move yeah. yourself. I want a Mercedes. Yeah, like yeah, I want a Mercedes, but I can't get one. So uh, yeah, life's you're gonna figure out life is uh, life is like that. You can't always get what you want. So uh, <laughs> yeah, and my parents always said just work harder. Then if you're not liking it, just work harder. That's what I hate. That my parents have never missed a day of work, and that's how I am. So with this remote learning, I'm like I have to go to work. There's no kids, but I have to go. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, it's the same type of thing. Uh, nothing against parents today, but it's a little different when like with this remote learning or COVID, some went to Indiana, some went to Iowa, some went to Wisconsin. And I talked to a coach yeah. about this. If I would have went to my parents and said, let's move to Indiana so I can play football, they would have laughed. They would have laughed and said, mm -hmm. oh, that's funny. We <laughs> lost we lost two starters, um, two defensive linemen that, I mean, they played every meaningful snap last year for us as juniors, two studs. I mean, one moved to Michigan and one moved to Indiana. Um, the kid that moved to Indiana, I just saw on Twitter, he was first team all conference. Um, just got an offer from, um, forget the name of the school, uh, Northwest Missouri state. He's an absolute animal. I mean, I think he was one of our better players on defense last year as a junior, he made some really, really big plays for us. And that line of scrimmage was unlocked because of those two kids. And, um, one's in Michigan and one's in Indiana. They're playing for scholarship money right now. You know, I mean, if you're looking at the landscape of Illinois football, if I'm a coach at, you know, John Grayson College, 
do I want to look at the kid at Indiana who's a defensive tackle right now and in, who's getting me film in the fall and I can evaluate him? Or do I want to wait for the kid in Illinois who, you know, maybe they're six of one, half dozen the other. They're both the same type of player, height, weight, all that. You know, you kind of flip a coin, you could take either one. One of them's playing right now and I can evaluate him and offer him scholarship money. And one of them's not playing right now and I can't really evaluate him. So, you know, I don't fault any of these kids for, for leaving during this time and, and, and that sort of thing. If you have means, you know, again, you're, you're playing for your college career. And these were two kids that needed senior film and um, they're both going to be great college football players. And, and, you know, we wished them the best and completely understood when they, when they decided to, uh, to transfer. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I wouldn't have transferred in the given the same situation, you know, um, said, Hey dad, I don't know what I got to do, you know, start donating my allowance, but uh, we need to go get a apartment in Indiana or something so that I can play my senior season. Yeah. I was not that good to be doing that, but if I was, might be a little different. Who knows? Um, I wasn't either. I mean, I, I wasn't, <laughs> I questioned it at first. Cause I was like, Oh, don't get up and move. Cause what if you go to Indiana and then they shut it down and now you're in a tough spot. Um, sure. but then the longer Illinois has been a dumpster fire, the more I was like, you made the right choice for certain, like some kids were like, you made the right choice. So after Illinois done what they've done. Um, so you said you played defense, you coach defense. Have you ever coached offense or has it always yep. been defense? Um, I, the last time I had anything to do with, offense was my junior year of high school i played center um and that was basically snap and double team with the guard uh <laughs> but i could snap and uh that was that was where i fit in on, on that team and then i think i played a little bit of guard as a senior um but i've been a defensive guy my my entire life um i was a linebacker in high school um you know, I always say like, I was like the most division three kid, um, maybe ever like, you know, six, about six, I always say six, one, it's probably closer to six foot, but, uh, you know, four, four, eight, 40, um, you know, not, uh, not, not a speedster by any stretch of the imagination. Um, went to Carthage, um, when I got there, they're like, listen, you're like our 25th best linebacker. Um, we brought in a bunch of freshmen that are way better than you. And we had a sophomore that started last year, um, but we're thin on the D line. And I was like, listen, I just want to play. So um, throughout my career at Carthage, I kept getting bigger. Um, so I started as a rush end, then went to our strong end, then went to our three tech then went to our nose. Then they told me if you eat one more piece of cheese, you're going to be a guard, um, stop gaining weight. So, <laughs> um, I stopped at nose. Um, I, I think one spring ball practice, I, I tried guard. Um, and that's basically when they told me like, Hey, like knock it off, stop eating cheese and <laughs> need to watch your weight. And so, yeah, I finished as a defensive tackle and then I've been coaching, Inside or outside linebackers are all three um, for pretty much my entire career. Um, so what for you, what's your favorite defense? If you had to pick, like, viewer D coordinator, what defense would you love to do? And then in your off season, like, is, what, what teams do you look at? What coaches do you look at for you to say, oh, this is what I'm going to learn from. I'm going to 
maybe bring this to my high school and say this is what we're going to do or anything like that? So I've, that's the one great thing about um, all my stops. I think I've literally coached or played in every single kind of defense. Um, we were a three – well, when I started at Glenbard South, we were a 4-4 four, four, cover three. Um, then Coach Starkey, who is now the running backs coach at North Central, uh, got the head coaching job there, and we moved to a 3-4. Then I went to college. We were a 4-2-5 attacking – blitz 95 percent of the time i mean maybe even 98 coach Etter was bringing the heat all the time um then when he left we went to another three four uh then when i graduated from or when i graduated from carthage um bradford was a kind of a hybrid we played a bunch of defenses there um then i got hired by coach cordell um who had come from glumbard west and fell in love with the three, three stack. Um, I am a three, three stack lover. Um, it's kind of a joke at Bolingbrook. One of our defensive coaches thinks it's hogwash. He hates the defense. So it's just kind of a, it's like a, you know, a running joke that we have, you know, whenever we're looking at scheme stuff, you know, they kind of roll their eye. Well, we know what John's going to suggest. And <laughs> um, that was my favorite defense. Coach Cordell was our head coach at Glenbard South and, um, taught me the three, three stack. And we were, I love it just because it's so multiple and you're really, I mean, I've seen it where it's just your base, you know, when you got three deep and you got, you know, three down linemen and it's, it's vanilla, but you know, you can bring that fourth rusher from, I mean, a, a bunch of different places. It can be one of your five linebackers. It can be a safety. It can be a corner. It, it you know, you never know where that pressure is coming from. So I would say um, that Coach Cordell, Chad Hetlett, um, 3-3 was really, I mean, I just, it, I'm such a big fan of that defense. And again, if the Bolingbrook guys um, are listening, I know they're all rolling their eyes right now. Like we know John shot up um, because I love it. I talk about it. My uh, buddy, Dan, who's the head coach at Prospect, they run it up there. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan. So, um, in the way, you know, I still have coach Cordell and coach Hetlett's playbooks that they, they put it down on paper and, um, that's how I would teach it. That's how I would run it. It is my favorite, um, coach, they, they have, um, they call it zero lane, one lane, two lane, and three lane. Um, so it's basically just four ways to diagnose a play in football. Um, inside run, outside run, drop back pass or roll out. And every offensive play is going to be based with slight exceptions. One of those four things. So if I'm a high school linebacker, instead of learning trap and power and uh, outside zone and inside zone and duo and all the things that all of us coaches talk about on Twitter all the time, I'm really learning four things, you know? So I just, I, I fell in love with that defense and how they teach it and how they run it. Um, and then in terms of who I'm like, who I'm looking for and who I'm learning for in the off season, I, I, I really, I try and focus on things that are just different, um, a different way of, of looking at things from the defensive perspective and the offensive perspective. Um, you know, I really like, um, 
you know, what Iowa State's doing right now. Um, I got a bunch of film on them um, from last year where, you know, I'm watching Iowa State, Oklahoma. And um, again, it's just a, it's just different. And so, you know, we've seen the four, two, five and the three, four and the four, three cover two. And um, that was what we, we ran at Montini. We were a four, three cover two. And then we switched in 2015. We were a four, four cover three um, based on, you know, the personnel that we had. Um, and then Nazareth again was more of a hybrid uh, Lamont love their three, four, um, if I was going to coach a three, four, I would do it the way Lamont does it. Coach Hayes um, down at Lamont. I love the way they run that defense. Um, we've incorporated some of their stuff at Bolingbrook. Um, a, a, you know, a couple wrinkles. Um, but, you know, again, whether it's a high school or a college or whatever it is, I just like looking at new, new things and just challenging, you know, myself or, or whoever's around me or whoever's in the discussion to just, we're just learning something new, you know? So um, again, the Iowa state stuff that they're running right now is kind of cool. Um, you know, coach Hayes stuff at, uh, at Lamont is, is one of my favorite playbooks. Um, the way coach Tom Payne does it at Nazareth. Um, again, he's, he's a guy that's, he's a mad scientist. So, you know, I send him texts and we're clinicking on stuff and, um, but yeah, just, I guess just using the people, I mean, around us, you know, just like we were talking about with the kids, um, the way, you know, we are all connected now on social media, um, is it's really easy to shoot a message over to a coach or something and just be like, Hey, how can I get, uh, these cutups or, you know, there's a bunch of different subscriptions you can use and, um, YouTube videos. And so, you know, I'm always just kind of clicking around and bookmarking tweets and, uh, reading books. And, um, I just finished a fantastic book, uh, the perfect pass. Mm -hmm. It's about, uh, Mike Leach and how mummy, um, their swing your sword. Um, what's the other one? Um, stretch the, the object of the game. Too. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm always reading a book or clicking a YouTube video or subscribing to the athletic. Um, you know, there's some cool X's and O's guys there that are breaking down NFL stuff. Um, there's a couple guys that I follow on Twitter um, that are really, really good, um, really, really good resources um, that, you know, again, I bookmarked. Um, there's a guy by the name of Alex Kirby um, that I bookmarked pretty much all of his tweets. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just I'm always looking at different stuff and the new books and this, that and the other. And, and Coach O from LSU just um, came out with his book. And my fiance looked at me and she's like, you bought it already, didn't you? Uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to finish the books I have first before I start buying any new ones. So uh, but yeah, that's on the list. It's it's going to come home eventually. So, um, yeah, I'm always looking at, at new stuff and, and just again, our defensive coordinator at Bolingbrook. Uh, is a guy by the name of Carl Rupsis and the number of texts and stuff that we send him. And, you know, it's a Twitter video or it's something from a book or um, he takes it all in. God bless him. Cause I'm constantly sending him stuff. And some of the stuff he's like, John, are you kidding me? Like, 
they're doing this at Alabama or Notre Dame or wherever it is, you know, um, I don't know if it's going to fit into our scheme. And then there's some stuff where, you know, he's like, wow, that's, you know, that's a cool drill or suggestion or whatever it is. So um, I think he has my text muted because I mean, it's literally like midnight I'm like on the couch and I'm like, Hey, look at this tackling drill. Um, and he always responds, bless his heart. <laughs> um, a good defensive guy. And maybe you know or not. Um, I'm friends with coach Nick Davis. He's the defense coordinator at Rose Holman. Um, he's from Charleston. Yeah. Um, he runs a three, three or three, five type defense. He rotates both. I'm trying to get him to come on here, but they're, they're doing football practice right now. But I've known him for a couple of years. Yeah, I, in Charleston. I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he's friends with, I'm friends with a guy in Charleston and they went to high school together. So when he would visit, cause he was just a D or a defensive coach at Rose Holman. So he always visit Charleston he, while, while he was recruiting, he drove through. And mm-hmm. so I became friends with him. They became the D coordinator and he's tried to get me to coach there one year, like with him. And mm-hmm. I felt bad cause he was like, yeah, it's, it's like $8,000, but that's about all you get. And I was like, yeah, no, I would love to go to college <laughs> to go do offense, but I make more doing high school sports, just high school sports than doing a normal job. <laughs> right. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how, you know, you really have to, if you don't start young, I mean, I was reading Mike Leach's book, um, you know, when he was at Iowa Wesleyan and, and I mean, he was living in a trailer with mold and, you know, um, you know, our old offensive coordinator at Carthage, um, Garrett Campbell, you know, he, he talked about, you know, sleeping in the stadium when he was a GA and stuff. I mean, you'd, you'd think they'd want to make it a little bit more appealing and then maybe mm-hmm. they'd get some more guys. On. But, you know, I, you know, I just, I feel like a lot of times with college, it's just retread after retread. Well, this guy got hired or fired from this school. So we'll hire him at that school. And it's like, if maybe I didn't have to sleep in a stadium and make, uh, you know, peanuts, I'd, I'd want to coach college and, and get into it, but it's like, I can coach high school football and have a pension and a salary and, and all that stuff and not have to worry about sleeping, sleeping in a dirty stadium, you know? No, I, I, Mike Leach's book. I've read like two or three times. I love Mike Leach. And what's curious yeah. is I love his stories about, Oh, I'm making, what was it? Like $3,000. And his wife's like, oh, 3000 a month? That's pretty good. He goes, no, $3,000. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, <laughs> total. And his student loan phone call stuff is hilarious. Like, they straight up would call him, like, you have to pay us. Because he was a lawyer. And he was like, nope. And would hang up. He's like, I ain't paying you. I have kids. I have a wife. I'm making $3,000. I love hearing his stories on that. And mm-hmm. that, if I was. And now look at yeah, he's making more. maybe it's the type of thing where you have to grind and then you get to the place you want to be. But I mean, there's so many coaches, I'm sure, that have done the grind, done the grind, done the grind. And eventually you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I mean, again, I can go coach high school football. And, and in some senses, you know, you have more talent on a high school team than you do at some, you know, smaller college teams. I mean, shoot, at Bolingbrook this year, just on defense, we had three power five kids, you know, committed. One was a safety. He's going to Notre Dame with a corner committed to Cincinnati, a linebacker committed to Michigan. I mean, it'd be great to make, but you know, I have a salary and a pension and, and all that stuff 
coaching and teaching at Bolingbrook and I got some, some dudes around me. So, I mean, it's, uh, um, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a weird profession to get into the college, college ranks. Yeah. And I think nowadays it's more of who, you know, not what, you know, type of thing. And, you know, there's not new college mm-hmm. coaches coming up because it is unappealing to be a GA for years and only make a thousand dollars a month. If that, and, uh, that's where you're seeing coaches get rehired and, uh, they know somebody who knows somebody or they have blackmailing somebody that like, Oh, I have this picture of you. Like you need to hire me or I'm going to release this. And, uh, it's crazy. Um, but I've taken a lot of your time. So I'll wrap it up with my last thing that I've asked a couple Illinois coaches. Sure. Um, in the summer when sports were getting up in the air, they were getting canceled. They were getting moved. People I went to high school with and other people were posting on social media about, Oh, I'm glad sports are getting canceled. I'm glad this parents, how dare you risk your kid's life to play a sport? And, you know, I ignored it. Cause I was like, Oh, don't get involved. Don't say anything stupid. And then two days later it's continuing. And I just kind of finally let it boil over. And so I'm asking coaches, why do sports matter? Like it's sports it, to me, it's sports and school. It really does matter this. And so I always ask coaches like to you, why do sports matter? Like, why should we fight this? Let us play and not to get you in trouble, but like, why do the sports matter for some of these people that just don't understand what we're doing or for these kids? I, I just use myself as an example, so I don't say anything stupid here. Um, I mean, literally my entire life has been shaped by the coach or by the sport of football. Um, I mean, I've been an athlete since I was five years old. I've played literally everything, T-ball through high school, volleyball, soccer. I ran cross country for a year, which people that know me now, like I get winded running errands. So like the fact that I was a cross country team is insane. Um like I said, volleyball, soccer, basketball, I played everything, but football for me just coming because that's my main sport. I mean, when I got to college, I had no idea who I was, what I wanted to do. Um, and coach Etter, who was my football coach and coach Rux and, and coach Corbett, uh, who was my defensive line coach. Um, coach Rux was the head coach at Carthage at the time. Um, those guys took an interest in me. And I went from that immature kid who um, was more interested in chasing girls and and going to a party than focusing on my studies and and working hard at football. Um, They kind of reined me in. And there was some tough love sometimes. And I did a lot of up-downs. And (laughs) um, I was in a lot of meetings where they're like, dude, what is your problem? Um, (laughs) But – I grew up at Carthage and I I became, you know, who I am today. I mean, not only from my coaches, but my teammates. I mean, we have a group text of my, my buddies that are all coaches. um, And and we talk constantly and, you know, being around peers like that, that are guys that are in the same profession and, and you want to succeed because, you know, amongst your peers, you, you know, you want to send that text at the end of the game. Hey, we won tonight. And um, between those guys, between my coaching guys that have coached me throughout my life, um, the whole, I am who I am today, a teacher and a coach and, and I'm getting married and, and um, all these things because I was involved in the sport of football. And 
um, that's why sports and, and for me, it was football, but you know, for, for someone, it could be volleyball, it could be soccer, it could be cross country. Um, that's where I grew up and that's where, why sports matters because these people took an interest in me beyond me being a defensive tackle or me being a linebacker or how much I could bench press or, you know, coach Etter would, I tell the story and I'll never forget it in my life. I'll be a hundred years old. God willing, if I make it that long, um, we had meetings every day at noon at Carthage, our defensive meetings every day at noon. And I had Spanish four days a week at noon. So I would miss four out of the five meetings. Now I was just a defensive tackle. I mean, I didn't really need to know the coverage checks and I'd basically just take on the double that everybody behind you can run around and make plays. But my coaches would check that I went to Spanish four days a week. And there was one day, typical college freshman. I was, I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm sleeping in today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to meetings. I'm not going to Spanish. I'm hanging out. And then I'm just going to go to practice. I'm taking a, taking a John day. Um, was walking out to practice, was talking to one of my buddies. You know, we're probably talking about, I don't know, some girl or football or whatever. And I turned the corner and this is the same day I miss meetings and I miss Spanish and coach Etter and coach Corbett are standing in the exact spot that I stretch every single day. And I turned the corner and it was like, I got hit with a cannonball. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> they know I'm dead. And I did, I might've set a world record for up downs that day, but you know what I, did? I never did again. I never missed a meeting and I never missed Spanish class again. And those guys could have said, ah, forget John, you know, whatever. He's a bum. He's not going to, you know, he's, he's missing, pre but they took an interest in me and they held me accountable. And now I'm, I'm an adult and I'm trying to do that and pay it forward to those kids. So those coaches paid it forward and helped me grow up. And sometimes again, for my own doing, <laughs> it was the hard way. Um, it, the, uh, my defensive line coach once said to me, John Grayson, you're the type of kid that's got to learn everything the hard way. And I'm a great teacher. And yeah, he taught me a lot of things, but that's why sports matter because those guys held me accountable and those guys made me grow up. It was sink or swim. And some guys can't take that level and they quit and whatever it was. And um, I was able to stick with it because those guys took an interest in me and wanted me to be successful and now I'm trying to do that with kids now. So not having sports and not having um, those opportunities is, is um, it's not good for kids. You know, I mean, I needed that structure, John Grayson. I know I need that structure. So um, that's what helped me grow up. And there's some kids out there right now that I'm sure are sitting at home that don't have that structure um, that might not come back to sports, you know? So that's why sports matter because, you know, it's people, adults that are genuinely wanting to help kids. And these kids need a lot of that help. I needed that help when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, and I got it from some great men. And I, I, I say Coach Rux, Coach Corbett, um, Coach Etter, but there was uh, Coach Paulie Mihalik, who's at Trinity down in Texas. Um, he was a great guy and, and really influential to me. My high school coaches, I mean, I was a pain in the neck to coach in high school. I, I know I was, I had an opinion on everything. So those guys putting up with me and, and, and really pushing me as hard as they could to, to get me to even go to college, you know, I mean, so 
all those men have shaped my life and all those men continue to shape my life. You know, all the great coaches that I've worked for, I'm an adult now and I'm still being shaped by, um, you know, like I said, 17 state championships. I've worked for guys that have won 17 state championships. That's just in football. That's insane. And I still look up to those guys. I can call coach Andriano right now. I can call coach boo coach Coy, coach Racky, coach Ivlo, uh, coach Kennedy, Coach Cordell, I mean, all those guys are still guys that I look up to. Um, so they're helping me shape my life. And, you know, I look at their example and say, okay, that's who I want to be when I'm, you know, a head coach or um, a father or a husband, you know. So that's why sports matter. And again, it's a long winded answer, um, but all my answers are long winded. I had a bunch of coffee. So, uh, <laughs> um, Sports matter because people genuinely care about each other and they genuinely want people to get better. And um, I just hope that we get back to some normalcy as soon as possible. And I know people are trying to make those decisions in the best interest of the kids and the people. And um, I just hope and pray that, you know, we, we return to some of that normal um, football and, and basketball and, and whatever it is, all those sports come back to come back to life. Nope, I agree with everything you said. It's fine. It's long-winded, but somebody has to say it. We have to say it. So, uh, But, Coach, that's all I have for you. I agree with a lot of things you said. You taught me some things, so I appreciate you coming on and spending this Saturday morning when college football is going on, <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> Talking football or watching football, as long as there's football involved, I'm down. So um, thank you so much for having me. This has been this has been a lot of fun. Nope, I appreciate it. Um, everybody out there that ever listens, stay safe so we can get back to some type of normalcy. Um, and I'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.